been talking about how leading into this year, and again, if my voice goes, please forgive me. Um, it's just because I was yelling a lot Thursday. So um, as we, we're coming into the new year, and again, I, I've been reiterating, I'm not telling you that this is some like direct word from God, although I, I do believe that God's blessing is on this word uh, for sure, is that coming into this new year, a lot of times, you know, all the prophets and whoever are always giving their words and their visions, and, and you know, some of them are crazy, and, and some of them are probably really hearing from God and, and all those kind of things. And coming into this year, um, I just had one word that kept rolling in my head, just one word, not a word, but one word, which was founded. And it's interesting because when I started talking about this, I've had a couple other people come up, and it wasn't the word founded, but they were, they were like, I heard this other word, and it was like rooted. Uh, and, and, and there was another one that's escaping me right now. Um, all of those words were all the same, and, and my feeling was as, as we were rolling in, and again, the new year, is there's nothing supernatural or spectacular about a new year. It's just another day, right? But sometimes we reiterate and refocus at, in those times. And, and I felt like that what we really re needed to refocus on this year was, was some, some of the basic core things of our faith that sometimes get kind of moved to the side when we're pursuing the other things of our faith. You know, in Scripture, some, you know, it talks about that there are the elementary and the principal things of our faith, and then we go on to the other things of our faith. But the problem is sometimes we go pursue all that other stuff, and we forget the basics that keep us founded. And when we forget the basics that keep us founded, then no matter what we're doing, no matter how many great songs we're singing or in-depth preaching is going on, if we're not rooted in the foundations, then we get knocked off course. And, and I think there's been a lot of that going on this year, just to be quite honest with you, with all sorts of things, um, with, with, with the virus and with the politics and with the culture and, 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 and all, everything that's going on right now. For those who are not founded in their faith, they're just getting knocked here and there. The Bible talks about being tossed back and forth by every wind that comes along our way. Sometimes, sometimes those are doctrinal winds that we get wrapped up in that are, that are not correct scripturally. And then sometimes that's just the stuff in the world that's going on. And so I really felt strongly to come back and preach on four core truths here at the beginning of the year. And, and we started by talking about um, the, just the basics of that God has called us to be disciples. There are two main things that we're that I'm just giving you a heads up, and you can probably already see it, that we're, we will be focusing on this year at this church. One of those is prayer. It's, it's why we're doing the prayer meetings on Thursday. Uh, and it's why we're trying to, and, and we're still working this out, but from 9.15 to 10.15 before service every Sunday, if you don't know, we want to have the foyer open for prayer. And so you can come in, and there's a couple people that take it, and Joyce is here every week faithfully um, praying, and I really appreciate that, and some others have been too as well along the way. Um, but to really focus in on prayer, I'm going to be talking some more things about that in the next few weeks where our, our, I've been talking to several of our leaders about the fact that what we want to do, and, and I haven't got to all of them yet, so I'm still working on that, um, is that we want to uh, create a house of prayer here where we have people in here worshiping and praying every day. Um, every single day. Now, that doesn't mean everybody's coming together every day because we can't. But to have times when throughout the day someone might say, well, I can come in on Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday or whatever and spend an hour or two hours in prayer and worship and, and that we just fill this place with prayer and that we believe that in this year Coos County is going to be rocked for Jesus. That all of that, all of those platitudes, 
we're going to have a revival and there's going to be an awakening and we're going to have an encounter with Jesus and, and, and God's going to do great things. None of that matters if we're not praying. None of that matters because it's not going to happen without prayer. God moves in response to prayer, the prayers of his people very often. And it's a weird circle because God puts prayer on the hearts of his people and then his people pray and then he sends a revival. That's how it works. And I feel like God right now is stirring us really, really strongly in the area of prayer. And so I have been saying for the last couple weeks, I feel like the Thursday meeting is probably going to be as important or maybe the most important meeting of the week that we have. And that doesn't mean any disrespect to anything else that we're doing. But I believe that, that as I said last week, I want to keep just driving this home, driving it home. You're like, you said this last week. I know. I'm going to say it next week, too. I'm just letting you know. Is that CR will not be driven by the CR program. It will be driven by prayer. And Wednesday Bible study, discipleship groups, all of that, Sunday worship, Sunday messages that are coming from this are all going to be driven by prayer. They're always supposed to be driven by prayer, but I think there are certain seasons when God says, hey, get back to where you're supposed to be. And that's what he's telling us right now as, as a body. And, and I believe he's calling us to, to more times of fasting as well. And we'll talk about that in the future as well. So we started talking about those core discipleship things. One of those is prayer, and the other, the other one of those is we have, we have the great commission from God, which is to go into all the world and make disciples, that we are not called to go and make converts and then leave them out to die out in the wilderness. We are called to make disciples. You can't make disciples unless people come to Jesus, but if you bring people to Jesus and never disciple them, you've not done the job. And so the other thing we're really very strongly going to focus on this year is discipleship. That's why the Sunday group for the ladies and the Wednesday group for the men. And that's not going to be just one particular group. That's a whole other thing that's going to be going on with that. So, again, I want to encourage you to be involved in those things because that's where we're headed this year. And, and so we talked about the beginning of this, that core discipleship stuff. We talked about the importance of God's word. Last week we talked about the importance of prayer. And then, and then next week we're going to talk about fellowship and the body of Christ being together. But today I want to talk about the thing that in some ways might seem to be out of sorts with the other three. Because everybody understands prayer. And everybody understands we need to be in the Word, and everybody understands the importance of, of, of the fellowship of the body, but then you're like, core discipleship, you got to talk about stewardship. And stewardship is a word, I wasn't actually going to use that word, because it's a word that, that we, don't, we don't use that word ever in our lives, really. Like, like I, I get paid, and when my, my check, paycheck comes, and I go, hey, Ann, how are we going to steward our money this week? We don't, we don't talk like that, right? But that, that's, a, that's one of these biblical words. But, but I wanted to use that word because whenever we think of stewardship, um, we always think of just money. But stewardship isn't just about money. Stewardship is what I do with everything that God has given me. And, and I'm not going to talk about this today, but this is a freebie. There are really four areas of our life, and maybe I'll come back to this later on down the road this year. But there are four areas in our life that are really important that we steward them well. And those four areas are our time, our talent, that's our gifts and our abilities, our treasure, which is our finances and our resources, and our testimony. That whatever it is that God is doing in my life, I need to do something with that. If God has done something in my life, it's not just about me, that I can take that testimony and I can use that to, to help other people and encourage other people and bring other people to Jesus. We have to be good stewards of that. Everybody say stewards. Because that's not a word you're going to use outside these walls, but we're using it today. 
And so I wanted to give you this quick definition if you happen to be in your notes. I think we've got notes. If you're online, just go to the website, click the message notes tab. You know that, trc3.org. The bottom line for this whole thing is this. Founded disciples grow in the soil of spiritual maturity. So these four areas, the Bible, uh, the Word of God, prayer, stewardship, and the fellowship of the body are the four foundational points that we need to grow in this year. That we need to grow in our knowledge of the Word and in the Word working in us. We need to grow in our prayer life. We need to grow in, in, in our faithfulness and our stewardship. And we need to grow as a body together. Amen? And so... That, that stewardship, then, if you happen to have your notes, stewardship is this. And it's not the only definition of stewardship. It's just the one that I'm using today, okay, because I like it. Stewardship is utilizing God-given abilities to manage God-given resources to accomplish kingdom results. I'll read that one more time because that was so good and I didn't even get one amen, but it's just fantastic. Stewardship is utilizing God-given abilities to manage God-given resources to accomplish kingdom results. Okay, so... What, is that, what does that really mean then? It means that God has given me an ability to take the things that he brings to me and to use those things to further his kingdom. This is the call of your life. If you're like, I don't know what the purpose of my life is, this is it in a nutshell. This is why when we talk about stewardship, we can't just talk about money, although I'm going to talk about money is that stewardship is not about money. Stewardship is what I do with every single thing that God has brought into my life. So stewardship is the abilities that I have. What is it that I can do? Am I good at, am I good at accounting? Am I good at electrical work? Am I good at preaching? Am I good at teaching, singing? Am I good at, am I good at building things? What is it that I'm good at? And that I would take that thing that God has placed inside of me and I would use it to, in a, such a way that I could further the kingdom of God. One of the problems that we have in a church today, and, and I understand that people need to make livings and that sort of thing, but I think sometimes in the body, when you have an ability or a talent or some way that you can help somebody else, and you say, I'm not going to do that unless I can charge you for it, then we need to step back and guard our hearts. Because, and I understand people got to make livings. That's not what I'm saying, okay? But I think sometimes God gives us an ability, and then he gives us an opportunity to use that ability to further his kingdom, and what do we do with it? We just say, no, only if you do for me what I need you to do will I do for you what you want me to do. And that's not just about money or any of that kind of stuff. That's anything. You know, Jonathan and Audra have a need, and I'm like, well, you know, I could meet that need, but I'm not going to because I need to know what they're able to give me back. See, that's, that's problematic. It's, it's massively problematic, okay? Because the problem with that is, is that there are, and you don't want to be taken advantage of, and that's a different discussion for a different day, but, but what I'm trying to say here is that sometimes God gives us an ability, and that is not, that's not you. What we have to understand is whatever it is that we're able to do, or we may be good at, or we, we, can, we can use, you did not come upon that in and of yourself that was given to you by God. Right? So, I feel like I'm an okay teacher. But if you track back to when God was calling me into the ministry, all I would ever say is, I cannot do that. I cannot do that. I, and I could not do that. I'm like, oh, good grief. Like, like, you all know my story about 
when I was going when I was in college, I had to take speech class for what I was studying at that point, and I quit the class three times before I even got to my first speech because I was so terrified to stand up in front of a class of 15 people and give a three-minute speech. And yet God's going, no, I've placed this inside of you. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Now I have to come back, at, you know, 25 years later or whatever and say, now listen to me, church. You need to make sure you're paying me exactly what I deserve or I'm not going to stand up here and do my job. How do you think God's going to reflect on that? You say, well, you're the pastor. You're the teacher. That's what you're supposed to do. Yeah, but what is it that God placed inside of you? There, there's a scripture, and they're, they're not in my message today, but God would come and, and give the, Jesus gave the parable and said, to one he gave five talents and one to two talents, one one talent. And he wasn't at all concerned about whether one had five or one had one. He was concerned with what they did with it and, and what they did with it to further the kingdom. And, and so we have to have that mindset that stewardship, although we're going to talk about finances in a minute, stewardship is about everything that I have, everything that God has given me, and say, what, it, what way can I use that to further his kingdom? Where would we be in our lives if there weren't people that had come alongside of us at some point? a parent, a friend, a person in the church, whatever, and help us in some way where we really needed. You would not be sitting in this room right now looking at all of this if not for people that volunteered hundreds of hours to come in here and to make all of this happen. And people that donated thousands of dollars so that we could come. You know, I don't talk about this much anymore because I feel like it drove it into the ground, but Remember when all this was going on in this building? We would come to that point when we did not have the money to go to, to Ace and buy a box of nails to put the, the wood up on the wall. And we'd be like, well, what we've got is what we got, and we're just going to work at that till we don't have anything else. And somebody would walk in the door and say, here's a check for $1,500. At one point, somebody came in and said, here's a check for $10,000. Where would we be if not for those people that said, I have this, it's a sacrifice to me, but I'm going to give it because this will help further the kingdom. And it wasn't just about money, because people would come in and give all of their time. I know people along the way that would be working, 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 get off work, come in, work till nighttime, then get up and go to work the next day, and then when they got off work, come back in here and work again. Now listen, what do we do if we all just say, well, no, that's not my thing. That's somebody else's thing. That's right. Who gave you the ability? Who has given you the resources, the, the, the things that you're good at that nobody else is good at? The things that you can do. And I think sometimes we think that's arrogant. Like, I don't ever want to say I'm good at anything because I'm a miserable worm and, and I just need to be down in the pit because that's what God wants me. And that's, that's an absolute lie. Because God has gifted us all with something. And it's not arrogant to say, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. I can stand up there and play that guitar. I can do that. Are there a whole bunch more people that are better than me? You, you, you have no idea. But am I a lot better than a lot of other people? Yes. So what do I do if I say I'm not going to ever play for you guys because, because I don't think you appreciate me enough? Where are we going to be? So, so stewardship, going back to that definition, is utilizing God-given abilities. What has God given you to manage God-given resources to accomplish kingdom results? 
Now, the backwards thing of this, and then we're going to jump right in and go pretty quickly today, but I wanted to lay some foundations here. The, the underlying foundation of all of this is we think when we give, that means that we will have less. So if I give of my time, that will take all of my time. If I give of my resources, then I won't have resources. If I, if I give of my testimony, maybe somebody wouldn't like me and wouldn't respond to me, and I want everybody to like me. We always think of stewardship in terms of what it costs me, and we have that backwards. Because any, anywhere we use anything that God has given us for his kingdom is never going to give us less. It's always going to bring back to us more. And that's the kingdom. I didn't get one amen on that. Where are you, church of faith? Do we believe the Bible or do we not? Anything that I use for the kingdom is always going to come back to me multiplied. It's a principle of scripture. And it may not come back in the same way, but I will be blessed back in multiplied ways always from what I give. I will, ne- you know, the old Christian cliche, you can never outgive God. And we all go, amen. And we don't ever stop and think about what that actually means is that there is no way that I'm going to give of myself in any way that God is not going to bring back to me, okay? And so I take what God has given me, and I manage the resources that he's brought to me, and I say, God, please use this to bring kingdom results. Now, if you're, if you're in your notes, the, the point, there's two things I want to talk about in this today, and it's the why of stewardship and the what of stewardship. Most, most of the time when we talk about stewardship, we jump right to tithing. Y'all got to pay your tithes. And then people are sitting around going, why do I want to give 10% of my money away? Or why do I want to do that? You can't really understand the what until you understand the why. But once you get the why, you will never have a problem with the what. Once you have the why, I want to, I struggle with this sometimes because I don't, I want to share testimony and not be felt ever like going, oh, wow, you think you're great, okay? I want to share testimony with you, but it's not about me thinking that I'm great. And it was something that I was just pondering this week. One of those times when we were working on this building, um, we, we were ready to lay the carpet. And, and we, we didn't have any money for the carpet. We had zero money for the carpet. So we we're coming up with all these plans. Well, we'll just come in, and we're scrubbing the floor real good, and We'll get the floor is clean, and, and under this is this red concrete, and it's all cracked up, and it's broken, and it doesn't look good. And, and it's like, but we'll just do that because we need to get out of the, you know, where are these places we're paying the money and all that. So <clears throat> interestingly enough, I'm praying, and I'm saying, God, um, we, we need this carpet. Like, is it, can, we, can we not minister if we don't have carpet? No, it's, it's not the point. But it's like we're trying to get this thing finished enough so it's right and it's good and and and, uh, lord i just pray that you would send us the money for the carpet and i felt like god said to me well then buy the carpet and i was like but lord i don't have i don't have any money because like i look at my bank account and it's like lord this is how much the carpet costs and that's how much money's in my bank account and he said but you have that retirement thing over there but I can't touch that, though, because that's for my retirement. But you have the money, right? Now, I'm not telling everybody to take money out of your retirement. Don't, don't get me all tweaked here. I'm trying to give you testimony. And so I'm like, there's no way. 
there's no way we can do that. But it just kept coming. And I come in and I talk to people that are working in the church, and we talk about the carpet, and it's just like, I'm like, there's no way. And then I got spiritual because I'm spiritual because I do, pre, I, I do marital counseling, right? And when I do marital counseling, I always say, if you're going to make a decision, you and your spouse need to be on the same page, especially if it's a big decision. So I'm thinking to myself, my wife will never agree to this. She'll never agree to this. So, God, if this is you, then you have to get her to agree with it. I'm spiritual. And I went to Ann. I said, man, I don't know. I'm just thinking this. She's like, whew, that's big. I was like, I know. We probably shouldn't do it because I was trying to get out of it. And she goes, no, I think we should do it. No, that's not what you were supposed to say. What you were supposed to say was, we, sh- we can't do that. But she agreed, and God said, all right. And that's why you have carpet on the floor. But I also want you to know that at no point have we ever not had food. At no point have we not had uh, the ability to pay our bills. At no point have we been, I mean, we've been short. I'm not going to lie to you about that. It's like we can't run out and eat at the Hilltop House or something like that. But God has never, ever at any point not taken care of us. He's never at any point not taken care of us because we've tried to. And early in my life, this is my testimony and why I'm trying to back up where I'm going today. Early on in my life, I struggled with giving all the time. I never wanted to give because I always thought about it in terms of what it was going to cost me. And it took me a long time to ever get the concept that it's not about what it costs me. It's about what God can bring back to me. How much amazing ministry have we had in this building since we've been in this building? Which would not have happened without those, not just me, but lots of people, giving sacrificially. I think of the His Walk ministry that has fed hundreds of people out there on the streets that could not have had a place to do that if that place was not built. And, 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 and the worship we've had in here and the words that have been given here and then the ministry things that have happened here, and it's, it's amazing and would not happen without that giving. And I don't know anybody that sewed into that, in, into this. I don't know anybody that sewed into this, I believe. Let me know if I'm wrong. That is saying, boy, I sure do regret that I ever tried to get into that. Because there's a different mindset. Once you get the different mindset, and that's the why. Like, I know you think I'm not on my notes, but I really am. That's the why. When you figure out your why, you won't struggle with the what anymore. And so, what is the why? In your notes, your why for using what God has given you will determine what you do with what God has given you. And that's where everything begins. Everything begins with a why. Why am I giving? Whether it's my time, talent, treasure, or testimony. We're going to talk specifically about finances here in a second, but keep in mind it's about more than that. When I determine why, I will never again have a problem with what? I'll never have a problem with tithes if I understand why I'm doing it. I'll never have a problem giving if I understand why I'm doing it. I'll never have a problem spending time doing what God wants me to do if I understand why I'm giving that time. 
And so your why for using what God has given you will determine what you do with what God has given you. Your why determines your attitude towards your what. And before you ever get one penny in the offering, you have to understand why you're doing it. And, and here's the thing. It's like we think that, again, when I'm talking about being founded, we're like you got the word and you got prayer and you got fellowship. And, and, and it seems like you're shoehorning this, this stewardship thing in because you got to preach about money sometimes. It's not anything to do with that. It's because your why cannot be determined unless you have these other, other things in place. Okay? Now, I know that didn't make sense, but here's what I mean. If you're not in the word of God, you're not going to understand the importance of giving. You just won't. If you don't understand what the word of God says about finances and giving, you will always have a problem with your giving. You will always have something else to give to because you won't see the importance of it. Okay? And then the other thing is prayer. If you don't have prayer in place in your life in the correct way, then it's hard for God to lead you. Because in, in Corinthians, it talks about everyone should give what, it, what they determine in their heart to give and that nobody should be compelled or manipulated into giving. And I, I strongly stand behind that. That's why 99% of the time I barely say anything anymore about giving. I say, there's a basket. If you want to be faithful, you can put your money in the basket or do it online and we move on, right? I'm not trying to manipulate anybody into giving anything at all. But the Word of God says, determine in your heart before you come what it is that you're going to give. Now, how do we determine what it is that we're going to give? God probably ought to be revealing that to us. So I'm going to get that from the Word of God. And then there are times when God just might tweak me and say, like, like this carpet thing, and say, hey, I just want you to do that. I just, I just want you to do that. Now, if I don't understand the why, then I'll say, what are you talking about, God? But when I understand the why, I don't have a problem with the what. Okay, and so let's talk a little bit about that. In Luke chapter 21, verses 1 to 3, and almost every time I talk about giving, I use this scripture. Because I feel like it's the best. <clears throat> you may disagree, but that's just my opinion. Luke 21, verse 1 to 3, New Living Translation says, While Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. Then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this poor widow has given more than all of the rest of them. Two things about, two things about that. Unless Jesus has a different why and a different what. Now, I don't know if anybody's going to grab what I'm about to say, so tune in to me, okay? Unless Jesus is operating from a different why and a different what, he's lying. Because he said to his disciples, that woman just gave more than all of the rest of them, and that's a lie. The only, anybody? Unless there's a different paradigm in play, Jesus just lied to his disciples. So that in itself should make us stop and step back and say, okay, wait a minute. There must be a different why and there must be a different what going on here or else the, the God that we worship every Sunday here is lying to us. Yet we know that God is not a liar and that Jesus could never lie, so he must have been operating from a different why and a different what. And so he says, this woman has given more than anybody else. Now, the second thing is, the first thing is, he must be operating from a different wire water. He's lying. The second thing is, isn't it really, really interesting? Because I'm about to hit all of you that are like, all they ever want in a church is to talk about money. 
First of all, we hardly ever talk about money here, Second, unless it's to tell you how great you're doing. Second of all, it's important. Because I want you to know, this is not your pastor saying it, I want you to look at the word and realize that Jesus was looking at the offering plate. Of all the things that were going on around him at that point, and you got the Pharisees over here barking in his ear and the Sadducees and, and the scribes, and you got the demon-possessed guy over there, and, and you got the, the girl that is dead, and he's got to go raise her from the dead. All these things are going on, and yet here is Jesus sitting there looking at people putting in their offerings. There's probably out of something we ought to learn from that. And, and as he's watching these people put in lots and lots of money, he said, that woman put in more than everybody else. Okay, and so it's interesting to me when in the church when we say, oh, church is all they ever want to talk about is money. Well, listen to me. It takes, it takes money to do things. But second of all, it's not even about the taking the money to do things. It's about our why. It's about the why. Why are they doing that? When those Pharisees come by and put in all of that money, and, and if you read in other places, you realize that sometimes they'll come blowing trumpets and wearing their fancy clothes and making up productions. Everybody, look at me as I put my offering in the basket. What, one, one of the things some churches do, and I don't have a problem with that, I'll just tell you why I don't do it, is a lot of churches will put the basket up front. And they'll say, you know, while we're doing worship or whatever, just come in and put your money on the, in the basket up here in the front. And, there, and if other churches come, I'm getting myself in trouble right here because we're on live stream, but... If other churches do that, that's totally cool. I got no problem with it, right? The reason I don't do it is because sometimes that begins to be taken as a, everybody look at me as I come up. I've got my tithe in my hand. Does everybody see? And they put in their tithe. And sometimes the, the tithe goes with a handful of change so that when it hits, it's really super loud so it grabs everybody's attention. That's why I put it in the back. Because honestly, I hope if you put in your offering, I hope that nobody sees it. Because it's not about that. It's about you and God. The only one that needs to see it is God. And so here is Jesus, and he's looking. And, and yet here's this different paradigm that's going on. Uh, I read this. Some of you might know who Howard Dayton is. He's a Christian financial guy. Uh, he's been on the radio for a long, long time. But uh, I just want to read this from one of the books. It says, Jesus talked about money more now. now. Some of you are not, you're going to disagree with me on it, so I just, just go look it up yourself. Be a Berean, okay? I don't have time to try to explain it, okay? Jesus talked more about money than he did about love. What is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with heart. The greatest commandment is not pay your tithes. Shockingly, some, some churches might think that, but the greatest commandment is love, and yet Jesus talked more about money than he did about love. Is it possible that if love is the greatest commandment, that what we do with our money is connected to how we're loving people? I'll leave that one for you to ponder later. Jesus talked more about money than heaven and hell. 16 of the 38 parables were concerned with how to handle money. Now, I know you're not going to believe this, but just go look for yourself. 16 of the 38 parables were concerned with how to handle money and possessions. In the gospel, an amazing one out of 10 verses, 288 in all, deal directly with the subject of money. The Bible offers 500 verses on prayer, less than 500 verses on faith, but more than 2,000 verses on money and possessions. Now, why do you think that is? Is heaven and hell important? 
exceedingly. If you're on your way to hell this morning, I'm more concerned about the fact that you're on your way to hell than I am about whether you pay your tithes today. You can take that to the bank. Today, I would rather you keep your tithes and find Jesus so that you don't go to hell. Today, I would rather you know that, that if, if you come into this body, that you are loved. If you need to keep your tithes in your pocket today or your offering today and just understand that you are loved, then you just go ahead and you do that because that is more important. But then why is it that he talks so much about money more than he talked about all of these other things? And we have to step back and say that's because all of the other things are connected to what we're doing with our possessions and our money. We can't love people if we will not use what we have to help them. If we're serious about evangelizing and keeping people out of hell, we're going to give to that cause. Well, but, but what does it cost me? What does it cost me? What does it cost them if they go to hell? This week I had a meeting on Tuesday, and part of that meeting was about new missions projects for the church. Next week is Mission Sunday. I'm going to ask you to give unashamedly. Because when we give to missions, we send that to missions, and it helps people get saved. And we might be, well, that's just, that's just $10 out of my pocket. It, you know the old, another cliche. It's just like, for some of you, one cup of coffee at the Dutch Bros. It's a good cup of coffee, I'm not going to lie. But you can use that to help someone get saved. You can use that to help build a ministry. You can use that to help build a church where they'll preach the gospel. Now, which is more important in the big term, my cup of coffee or that? Because you're always going to find another cup of coffee somewhere. It'll come back around to you. I don't get very many amens when I talk about money, but it's good preaching. Amen, Pastor. I'll amen myself. The reason I believe that, that Jesus and God in general, Old Testament, New Testament, talks so much about money and finances because that colors everything. That becomes, in many ways, a reflection of everything else. So that if I say I love people, but I'm not willing to help them, then I have to question whether I really love them. If I say I love God, but, I, but, I don't, but, I, but I'm not going to give in faithfulness to him, then I have to question that. If I say I love my church but I don't give to help the church do what the church does and I have to question whether I love the church. Now, I know that's a heavy thing today, and I'm not questioning anybody because we had the, one of the best years we've ever had last year. You're givers, but listen to me. The point I'm trying to make is the reason he's so focused on money at times is because it affect, it's, it's affecting everything else that's going on in our life. My, my, my pocket, my wallet, my purse, my debit card, my bank account is a pretty pure reflection of the things that are important to me. I know that's a cliche as well. But it's true. If we all pull up our bank accounts and we throw them out here on the table, I could tell you exactly what's important to Ann and Joe and, and Deborah. That may be good. That may not be good. I'm, for them, I'm sure it's great. But listen to me. It may be good. It may not be good. But it is a pure reflection. What I do with what God gives me is a pure reflection of where my heart is. So if I say these things are important to me, and my, my, the way I use what God gives me does not reflect that, then what I'm saying doesn't line up. 
okay? And so in your notes, uh, it says this, where, where we spend our money determines where our heart is. And I, I probably had that backwards. Where we spend our money is a reflection of where our heart is, okay? And so you, you can pin that in there differently. I should have wrote that a little bit differently. So going back to this widow that gave the, the two coins then who gave more than everybody else, either Jesus is lying or he's operating according to a different paradigm. So this is in your notes too, then we're going to move forward. The secret of giving is never in the amount given, but rather in why it is given. You have to know your why to determine your what. Because in verse 4, I'm sure that when Jesus said, now it, it doesn't really say this necessarily in the text, but you can sort of grab it. Because he said, she just gave more than everybody else. And the next verse says, for they have given a, a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she has. Now, why did Jesus say that? Because the disciples probably gave him the side eye when he said that. Because the disciples were probably all wrapped up in, wow, look how much Nicodemus is given. And look how much Joseph of Arimathea was given. And look at how much the, the, the Sanhedrin guys were given. And Jesus is like, look how much that poor widow just gave. Two little coins. And all throughout my life in the church, it's always been two pennies. But really, it looks like if you really dig back there, that might have been actually less than that even. If you walk by a penny on the sidewalk, most of us probably won't even pick that penny up because we don't see any value in it. And yet Jesus said, this little woman that gave that much money gave more than everybody else. And he said, the reason, now here's the paradigm shift, okay? I'm going to get to a certain point, and I'm going to go really fast. I'm not going to keep it for 10 hours today, okay? But, but we have to get this, is that this is where the paradigm shift takes place. Because people are wowed, this is in your notes, people are, are wowed by great sums of money, but Jesus is wowed by faithful and sacrificial acts of faith, it wasn't the money that she gave that was so much more. It was the faith that she showed in giving it that was what mattered. Because she didn't have anything, and yet she gave, and Jesus knows that because of that, God's going to blow her away with his blessing on her life. And here are all these Pharisees. Listen, if you want to give $1,000, it's a whole lot easier. To, now, listen, if you're giving, that's good. If you've got a lot of money, that's fine, because God blesses people with a lot of money. But if you've got a million dollars in the bank, it's not nearly as hard to give $1,000 as if you have $1,001 in the bank. If God says to the millionaire, give $1,000, they might go, wow, that's $1,000, but I'll still have the rest of my million. If you've got $1,001 and God says give $1,000 and you got $1 left, that's probably going to be a bigger discussion with God. Am I wrong? I know people that will be like, man, if I, ever, if I ever won the lottery. First of all, don't, don't be bad storage of your money by playing the lottery. That's silly. Second of all, if I won the lottery, man, I'd, give, I'd pay my tithes. If I won $275 billion, I'd pay my tithes. And in the church, I'm going, ooh, that's a lot of money. Lord, is it okay if they play the lottery? Nope. But listen, if you're getting a paycheck for $300 and you're not paying your tithes out of that, you're not going to pay your tithes out of your $275 billion either because you don't know your why. You're thinking about your what. Okay? And so here's this little woman, and she gives out of her lack. She gives a great amount out of her lack while everyone else was given a great amount out of their greater amount. And Jesus is always in more interested 
and the sacrificial act of faith. And saying, look, I'm going to do this anyway. Even though I don't know where, where, where these things are going to come from, I'm going to do this because I believe God. I believe that he will. See, that why right there, why? Because I believe God. In fact, I need to move forward here. Let's keep moving. There's three things this widow understood. I'm just going to give them to you. Write them in. We'll move on. The, the why. Here's the three parts of your why. If you get these three things down, you will never struggle with giving again. Okay? The widow understood three things. Number one, God is my supply. Do you think that the two pennies, the two mites, the two whatever that is that she put into that offering was going to cover all of her needs? Because our mindset is I'm going to hold on to everything I have because i got to try to meet these needs. But if you're at all like me, the needs are always far outweighing what it is that I have. So I need to tap into a different paradigm. I got to tap. Okay. Even if she would have kept her two pennies, that's still not going to meet her needs. And so she said, I'm going to give my two pennies. Why would you give away the last of your last of your last? Because that wasn't going to cover it anyway. So am I going to trust in my two pennies or am I going to trust in God? What does the word of God say? He said, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. I always want to preface that with God did not in any way, shape, or form ever at any point promise to meet all of your wants. That's where our financial problems are. We're, oh, I wanted a new car. God didn't, why isn't, well, God wanted a new house. I wanted a new set of clothes. I wanted a new whatever. And it's like, I don't know why God didn't give that to me because you don't need it. You want it. Now, if you need a car, you need a house, you need a blessing, everybody say need it. If you need it, God's going to bring it. But if you just want it, he doesn't make any promises like that. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches. According to what? Is his riches more than two pennies? A little bit. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. I don't know how much that's worth, but it's worth a lot. I never understood that growing up. When you're a kid and you process things differently, our God owns a cat. We used to sing a song about that. God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. It's like, man, why, why would I want a thousand hills worth of cattle? I just want some money in my pocket. I, I was missing the point at 10 years old. Anyway, move on. The widow understood that God was her supply, not the money. Everything that there is, is his. I'm going to say that one more time. Everything that there is, is his. Well, did you see my new, did you see my new car, my new house, my new, my new, uh, this week I bought, I got this little pedal. I got an unbelievable deal and I couldn't believe it. I even called Ann, I'm like, I got to buy this guitar thing, it's so cheap. And even she was like, yeah, you got to buy that, it's so cheap be like, I got this thing. It's mine. It's not mine. The reason I can afford that is because you guys have given to the church. And when you guys give to the church, that pays me so that I can buy that. 
And if God did not supply your job or your, your account or whatever it is that you have to you so that you could give to the church so that the church could pay me so that I could buy that, then I would not have that. So where does that chain end? God. Man, I don't know if any of you got that just then. This is mine. Was it really? How'd you buy it? Where's my paycheck? Where'd you get your paycheck? From you guys? Where'd you get the money? From my job? Who gave you that job? God did. Some of you are going to the devil, but it's not true. It's God. <laughs> Who gave you the breath to be able to do the job? Who gave you the brain to be able to understand and comprehend how to do the job? Who gave you the muscles? Who gave you the heart? Who gave you the lungs? I've had this thing because you know I'm, I'm by nature super lazy, but i got to keep running so I don't blow up. And I've been praying this prayer every, when I go out to run because I'm, I'm so lazy, man. So I pray this prayer, and I'm like, I, I, walk, I always walk from my house to the end of the block, then I start running. And I say, God, please today give me the, now you think this is stupid, but he does it because he loves me. I'm his kid. I say, God, give me the lungs, the heart, the will, the muscles, and the distraction enough to get through this run today. So I try to put something on the headphones that keeps me distracted from the fact that my legs hurt. And then when I get close to home, I say, God, thank you for giving me the lungs and the heart and the muscles and, and the distraction because I couldn't have done this without you. Well, you do that every day. It's not a big deal. You can do that. You do it every day. Listen to me. If God didn't give me the muscles and the lungs and the heart and all of that to be able to do it, I couldn't do anything. You think you're controlling your breath until you can't breathe. I should have done an uh, illustration and bring up someone and dunk their head in the water and see how long they think they're controlling their breath. That may not have worked on the live stream very well. I wouldn't kill him. Just make the point. All right. Let's move on. She understood that God was her supply. Everything that you have is his. All that there is is his. Number two, God asks me to give as an act of faith that he is my supply. If he brought it to me and I trust him to continue to bring it to me, then why do I have such a problem giving anything? Number three, considering that God is my supply, his thoughts on money are more important than any other thoughts on money. Now, I know you probably lost that one, but if he is my supply, then what he says about money is more important than any other thoughts. So what does he say about it? I'm going to give you just a shot of that here in just a second. So that's your why. If you didn't know what your why was, there is your why in a nutshell. God is your supply, right? God is your supply. God asks you to give as an act of faith that he is your supply. What is giving about? Faithfulness. What is giving about? Faith. I have faith. People are like, oh, I have, I have massive faith in Jesus. Pay your tithes. Well, I can't pay my tithes. I don't know if I can pay my bills. Those are not the same. If you don't know what your why is, your why is this. God is your supply. God asks you to give as an act of faith that he is your supply. And that considering God is your supply, what he says is more important than it, what anybody else says. Even this pastor up here today, 
If I'm telling you something about finances today that is not biblical, you should utterly reject everything I say. But I'm pretty sure what I'm saying is right. Let's go on. So now we've, we've laid in the, the why. Now let's quickly talk about the what. The what of good stewardship, if you're in your notes. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your possessions. With your what? Is that money? Is it just money? Okay. Your possessions in a technical term is every single thing. If you possess your heartbeat, if you possess your lungs that breathe, if you, if you possess a car, if you possess a job, if you possess an ability, he says, honor the Lord with your possessions. Everything about you we need to honor God with. And with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. So in that verse right there, there's two things. Faithful stewardship is an act of honor to God and faith in God. I hope that's simple enough. When you're faithful in your giving or you're using your possessions, it's an act of honor to God and faith in God. Honor to God and faith in God. Now watch this. The word honor there is the word kabod. Does anybody recognize that word from anything? That's an important word. Now this is not the exact word. But this is the, actually the same word for the glory of God. I don't think anybody's going to get this this morning. In the Old Testament, when the glory of God would come, that was the kabod. It would come. When, when the glory departed from the temple, what did they say? Ichabod. The glory has departed. Kabod means the glory. So when we, when we use our possessions, when we honor God with our possessions, and the word itself actually means weighty. That's why you may have heard some preachers in the past or whatever, they'll talk about the glory, when the glory of God comes, it's a weighty presence. I've heard that a lot of times. People be like, there's a weighty presence in the room. Why do they say a weighty presence? Because that's kabod. That's what it means. So when the glory of God comes, it's a weighty presence. And he says, honor the Lord with your possessions. And it's the word kabod, which means weighty. There's some weight to it. There's some weight to your honor. I'm about to, I'm about to wrap up here. I know you don't believe me, but I am. So grab on to this. Honoring God without weight doesn't really mean anything. Oh, God, I give you all the honor. Give me your tithes. I don't want to give you my tithes, but I'll give you all the honor. There's no weight to that. Honoring the Lord with your possessions has some weight behind it. Honoring the Lord with your possessions is going to cost you something. It has to cost you something. If it's not weighty, it's not worthy. I, I don't have time to talk about this, but I was stunned by Rick Warren because lots of people hate on Rick Warren all the time, and Doctrinally, not everything he teaches 100% am I with, but there are some things that he does actually very right. And when he started getting popular and he put out the, uh, the um, Purpose Driven Life book and that thing blew up, he immediately quit taking all of his pay from his church. This is what other people don't know about him. He quit taking pay from his church. He takes no salary from his church because he was getting all this money. And he started paying 20% tithes. But then that money just kept rolling in, rolling in, rolling in, rolling in. So you know what he did? He did a reverse tithe, and he gives 80% away, and he keeps 20%. That's weighty. That's weighty. Because that dude's making millions of dollars from his books. And everybody's like, well, he's just, he's, just getting, he's just getting to be a billionaire. And it's like, yeah, but 
unless something has changed recently, 80% of that is given away to, to ministries and charities and all these different kinds of things. That's weighty. Now, if he's bringing in millions of dollars and he gives away 10% of that, is he being faithful and obedient to God? Yeah. But is it really weighty to him? Probably not. So it says, honor the Lord with your possessions. Now, I'm not trying to twist your arm to get you to give more. Understand, if you don't understand your why, put your money back in your pocket. We don't need it. I don't want your corrupted money. I don't want corrupted money rolling through this ministry. But if you understand your why, you understand that to honor the Lord means that it's weighty. When we honor the Lord in our worship, there's a cost. That's why the scripture says, we bring a sacrifice of praise to the house of the Lord. Don't come and give God my seconds, my thirds, my leftovers. I got to give him my best. So, so it, it says in there, um, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits. You'll notice that there's two different things going on there. There's the possessions and there's the first fruits. The possessions is everything. And the first fruits is the first fruits. Right? So, it's going to seem like I'm rolling back around to this again. But here again, why honor God? It's essentially the same concept that I gave you with the widow. You're like, you're just repeating yourself. I know. I'm trying to get something across here. Then we're praying. Why do I want to honor God in my stewardship? Because all that there is belongs to him. This is an offshoot of what we learned from the widow. Psalm 24, 1, 2 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Do we think that's hyperbole? Take away what God made and see where we stand. You can, you, you can have everything except for what God made. There's not a whole lot left over after that. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all the people belong to him. All its people. So do you belong to him? Yes. I am not my own. I've been bought with a price. For he laid the earth's foundation on the sea, and he built it on the ocean depths. Everything that there is belongs to him. You're just borrowing it. All those things that you're getting and getting and getting, guess what happens when you stop breathing? They just go on to somebody else. And it doesn't make a lick of difference that you ever had it. Boy, if we could learn that in a church, it would change everything. Did you see my new guitar thing? I'm not taking that to heaven with me. Probably pass on to my son or somebody, whoever. And then when he stops breathing, it's going to go to somebody else. And by that time, it'll probably be worthless sitting in a garbage pile somewhere. I got, my dad told me this thing about cars because I got to think about cars. For like 15 years, 20, no, it's been more than that. We've been here 15 years for 20-something years, we've never taken a loan on a car. Again, not for the sake of, wow, you're awesome. It's just I realize what that ends up doing to us. So Carl needs to plug his ears over here because it's just me. It's just me. Because my dad, my dad said to me one time, we were, we were, I don't know if we were driving or something, and a, a, a truck went by that was carrying a bunch of uh, smashed-up cars. And he's like, you know, there was a day when that thing rolled out the showroom and everybody in the world wanted it. And now it's just going in a dump over there. It's worthless. 
You've heard my thing with the cell phone. Just like everybody wants a new cell phone that will just exactly do the same thing that the cell phone that you have already does. I got a new cell phone. I can get on Facebook. You did that with your old phone. I could check my emails. Well, you did that on the old phone too. Nobody get offended. I'm just trying to make a point here. Everything that there is is his, and we're just borrowing it. But we think it's ours. So why bring honor to him? It's all his to start with. Number two, he's chosen to take what is his and give it back to you. When we tithe and we give our offerings, we're not giving back to God. That's what we all say. I'm giving back to God. We're not giving back to him. We're just allowing him to have what was already his in the first place. I'm giving this back to you, Lord. It's not yours. Nobody got that. I'm giving, I'm giving back to God what is mine that I'm giving back to God. It's not yours anyway. He's letting you borrow it. Ponder that later on this afternoon. He's chosen to take what is his and give it back to you. Number three, giving honor is a continual reminder of the first two principles. Number one, it's all his. Number two, he lets you borrow it. Number three, when you give, it reminds you that those two things are true. That's honor. And then the last thing is an act of faith. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats overflow with good wine. If you're taking notes, please underline the word then. Everybody say then. Then. Not before. God bless me and then I will give. It doesn't work that way. You give and then you find God's blessing. Well, I don't understand because I'm not giving and God's still been blessing me anyway. That's the grace of God. And let me tell you, at some point, that's not going to work. Because he wants us to trust him. If we lose our foundational faith in who he is then we've lost everything. And when we're faithful in our giving, it's a reminder that, look, I, this is, he is my supply. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. What is the thing that is intimated when you read that? That probably your barns weren't full anyway. Everybody thinks they're giving from their full barns. He says, if you give, then I'll fill your barns. Everything we get back from him far outweighs anything that we ever give to him. That's the bottom line. In God's kingdom, natural obedience brings a supernatural response. In God's kingdom, natural obedience brings a supernatural response. God says, if you understand it's mine, I'll give it to you. Then you should respond in faith and honor by giving it back to him, even though we're really not giving it back to him. Okay? I'm... I'm Okay, here we go. Watch this. I'm just going to say this, and then we're going to go. If you will do some certain things in your life, I guarantee that you will find financial blessing. And by financial blessing, I don't mean you're going to be rolling in richness or anything, but you're going to be okay. And I don't have time to talk about this because I'm way out of time, but listen. Live according to your needs. Avoid your wants. Save what you can. Give as much as you can. I will. I should have put it in the notes. Live according to your needs. Avoid your wants. Save as much as you can and give as much as you can. If you will do those things, God's going to pour an abundant blessing on you. Because if you're living according to your needs, then God's always going to supply them. If I'm avoiding my wants, then I'm not trying to get something that I don't need anyway. And so God doesn't have to worry about that. I don't have to be concerned about it. If I'm saving as much as I can, I'm being a good steward with the thing that God has given me. 
And if I'm giving, then I'm reminding myself that he is the one that is supplying what it is that I'm saving. That's good stuff. If you do those four things, then God is going to bless you. Those four things very often are a struggle, but if you'll do them, God's going to bless you. So then the last thing here, how, how do I give then? How do I give? There's lots of things, but I'm going to give you these two. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. That's two different things. I encourage you to start with your tithe. That's the first fruits. In the Old Testament, because it's late, I wanted to take time, but I blew it again. In the Old Testament, they would, uh, when, when the harvest would begin to bloom, they would go out and they would put a circle around the first thing that bloomed. Now, they got all these fields. The harvest is about to come in all these fields, but this is the first thing. That's all they have at that point. And they would chop that down and bring it in and give that as a sacrifice to God. That's the first fruit. That's why they call it a first fruit. It was the first fruit. Now, they would give that to God when there was nothing else. And God said, if you'll give to me the first of what you have when there is nothing else, I'll make sure that everything else is taken care of. Is there, that's all Old Testament. You're preaching Old Testament law to us, Pastor. Well, I think, I think my Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about what you will eat or what you will drink or what you will wear. Don't be like the Gentiles that worry about those things because God knows what you need. Seek first the kingdom of God, and he will add all of those things. So if I'm seeking the kingdom of God, I'm going to take what I've got, the first thing, and say, God, I give this to you. Use it for your kingdom and your glory, and I believe you'll give everything back to me. The word tithe means a tenth part. If you didn't know that, it means a 10%. And it's simply a recognition that all is his and that he's going to provide. Deuteronomy 14.23, Living Bible says, Purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. I read that in the Living Bible because when you read it in other versions, you don't get the, the crux of it. The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. If you're giving God the tithe first, you put him first, he'll take care of everything else. So you have tithes and you have offerings. He says, honor the Lord with your possessions. And that's anything that God leads you to give above the tithe. Now, in, in this church, we have lots of opportunities for giving. There's opportunities outside of this church. You got to pray and say, God, where do you want? Because I know that we all have limited resources. God, here's my tithe. What else do you want? Do you, want, do you need anything else from me? And he might speak to you and say, you need to give to that pregnancy center over there. Because you're whining an awful lot about how abortion is legal, but you don't get one penny to help girls avoid that. To give to missions, because we say, we believe in reaching the nations, but we don't give to actually help reach the nations. You can give to his walk, because we say, we believe in helping the poor, but we don't ever give anything or do anything to support it at all. say it. I'm going to say something. I'm not going to say it. It wasn't a bad thing. It was an encouragement, but I'm going to hold off on it. So God may, God may say, hey, I want, you to, I want you to take that thing that you have, and I want you to give it to Joyce. I want you to give it to Tammy. Ah, oh, but Lord, but Lord, but Lord, but Lord. On, on that respect, I, I got one last testimony I want to share, and I, I am done. See? Some of you already know the story, but years ago, when we were on 2nd Street, um, 
one, one thing that you should know is that this, this what looks like a piece of garbage guitar to you uh, means the world to me. Um, and the reason it means the world to me is um, when I got it, I had never been able to afford something like this. Now, I know it doesn't look like that now because I've, I've beaten the snot out of it and it's all cracked and everything, but it still sounds really good. Um, and so this has meant a lot to me since 1995 when I got this because we were at a, not that any of you know or care, but I went to a youth camp. I was preaching and doing worship at a youth camp, and Doug Donaldson, who some of you know from the Foursquare, I had, I had this guitar, and it was a nice guitar, but I kept breaking strings every time I play. I'm going to make this really short, okay? Every time I get up to do worship, I break strings. And I had extras, and it got to the point where I had no extras, so I couldn't lead worship. So Doug's like, hey, man, just pick up mine and use it. So I picked up his, and I started using it, and I was like, this is the greatest. This is the greatest guitar I've ever played in my whole entire life. But I knew how much it cost, and it's like, oh, I'll never be able to get that. Well, I came back, and then circumstances worked out when I was able to buy that. And now to you, that doesn't mean a thing. So you just put in there, you know, for Joe, it might be a giant vat of yarn that she got. And she's just going, wow. <laughs> or, or, or a certain video game, a certain TV, whatever it is, it's like to you, you're like, wow. And so when we were on 2nd Street, I was praying. Some of you already know the story, but I was praying. And over there, we just had that one kind of middle aisle there. And I would wander back up and down that aisle while I was praying, and I walk back, and I'm walking up to the front, and God said, I want you to give that guitar to this certain individual in, in the church. And then again, because I have no faith, although I preach faith all the time, I'm like, there's no way. There's no way. I'm, I'm, there's no way. God, you know there is no way. You would not ask me to do that. You would not ask me to do that because you know what that means. And then it's like, you know, again, like the thing with the carpet, and then, then it's like, all right. And I remember when I gave it to the person. I, I'm, unless you have something that means that much to you, you wouldn't understand this. But I started crying. And, and I'm not crying because I'm so touched at my generosity. I'm crying because. <laughs> be blessed. God told me to bless you. Be blessed. <laughs> God. So then at that point, I didn't have any other, I didn't have any acoustic guitar. So I started borrowing Josh's because he was living, that was before I got married. And I just borrowed his because he had a couple of them. And then he got married, he moved out, and he took his guitars with him. <laughs> so I told Ann, oh, man, I got to do something. Got to do something. I got to have a new guitar. Am I right, Josh? You got to have a new guitar. <laughs> it's for... It's for the Lord. It's for the Lord. <laughs> so, so I got this guitar, and uh, it was a pretty nice guitar. It wasn't like this, but it was pretty nice. And I was happy with that because I came to terms with it, and I was happy with it. And um, all good, all good. So I'm playing this guitar. And, uh, and then so, uh, later on, it ends up that through another person, the person came back and said, I'm not going to play this, and I know what it means to you, so gave, gave that back to me. And then I'm like, wow. God, God just gave me back my thing, which, again, probably doesn't mean anything to anybody else, but means something to me. Now, here's the cool thing about how God works. And, and I don't know, uh, I don't know if I should have told this story or not, but because it's cool how God works. 
because at that time, they were doing kind of a youth um, uh, Bible study kind of thing, and JP was helping Josh lead worship. And he put his guitar in his car, and his they broke into his car and stole his guitar. And so it just so happens that his guitar was the exact same guitar that I had bought to replace this guitar, which God gave back to me. So then I was like, well, then no problem. I will take this guitar that I only got because I didn't have that one, and I'll give it to him because God gave back to me the one that I got, and God blessed him, and then God blessed me. Now, do you think I was thinking of that when God said, I want you to give that guitar over there? No way. I was only thinking about what it was going to cost me. But all the while, God was trying to funnel a blessing through me. Now, again, I don't say any of those things because I, I share with you that I whine about everything because I want you to know I don't think that I've got this all figured out. I whine about everything, but then I watch God be faithful. The reason I share them is because I want you to understand that if you will understand the why of your giving, that God can use me as a conduit. Anything you give to in, if you, you're like, you want us to give to the church. Listen, I, I want, I'd like for you to give to the pregnancy center. Because if you give to them, a baby is probably going to be born that might have been aborted. Oh, I need to get abortion outlawed. Okay, well, then let's help somebody. It, it's not just about just about giving to the church, although I encourage you to do that because that helps us do this, right? But I just want to encourage you that God is not asking you to give so that, so that you can just focus on everything that is costing you. He wants to funnel blessings through you. And he's never going to ask you to give something that he's not going to funnel back to you in some way, shape, or form. And interestingly enough, it'll probably amp up and amp up until you can do more and do more and do more, and do more, and yet, like the woman that filled up the oil in the jars, as long as there was a jar to be filled, the oil kept flowing, and as soon as there were no more jars, then the oil quit, quit flowing. As long as you keep providing God with vessels, he will keep filling them up. But what we need is we don't need more promises from God. We need some faithful acts that honor God, and God could flip our lives upside down. Many of us walk very short of the blessings that could be part of our lives, and it's not because God is not willing to bless. It's because we're not willing to be honoring and faithful to him. But if we'll understand it's always going to come back to me, then we won't have a problem with it. Amen? Shut up, pastor. It's late. All right. I'm going to shut up now. Father, I thank you for today. Thank you for the worship. Thank you for your word. I just pray it would be a blessing to somebody. And, uh, I ask that, that in this next year, as we're talking about being very rooted and founded, that we would be founded in our stewardship, Lord. And that's not just about money, although we talk about money. It's about everything about who we are. Lord, my breath, my breath, my possessions, my life, my finances, my abilities, my talents, my words, my experience, my testimony, all of that, Lord, I want to offer to you. Because I know that whatever I offer to you, you're going to bring it back to me. But I also pray with that, Lord, that we would not always be giving in that way. Just with the expectation that we're going to get back, but we would give as an act of honor.
that we put some weight behind when we say we honor God and we love God and we love you, that we put some weight behind that with every part of who we are and with everything that is part of who we are, our time, our talent, our treasure, and our testimony, Lord, that we would be willing to put honor behind that because you have, you have blessed us in insane ways over the years. I know you've blessed me over and abundant. Anything I've ever deserved, Lord, you bless me, and I thank you for that. And, and I, I pray, Father, today that you, would, um, that you would lead us in that way. I pray that you would reveal some whys to some people today that may be struggling with the why. Lord, that you would just let that why come alive in them so they would never struggle with the what ever again. I thank you for that. And Lord, as we, we close today, Lord, I pray, I pray this blessing. Um, first of all, I want to just have you look at me just super quick. We had, we had a thing that happened at Bible study, um, thir- or prayer Thursday night. Every week we finish, I pray, I pray the ironic blessing over you guys. And uh, there was just this sort of epiphany thing that happened uh, Thursday where I, I believe God really strongly spoke to our church and said, you really need to take seriously the reception of that blessing. And I know when I pray it over and over, it's just like, oh, good, this is the last thing before we go home. Um, but I felt, as I was kind of reflecting on that, that I'd like to do something different as we close, is that um, if, you, if you want to receive this blessing, um, I just want you to lift your hands as an act of faith this morning. Uh, if you don't want to be blessed, don't raise your hand. That's fine with me. But just as an act of faith, because I want us to take seriously that, that when we pray this, that this is our blessing from God. It says, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Go out with the blessing of God on your life. Amen. Amen. All right. Have a great week.